So what is grace to you? What is grace to you? I thought grace would be most fitting for us to talk about this morning. On Friday, we remembered God's mercy toward us. It should have been me on that cross. That should have been my back torn to pieces and my body placed in that tomb. But it wasn't. It was God's own son, Jesus, who took my place. All because God loves us that much. Christ's death was God's mercy extended to us, his creation. But God's love for us didn't just stop at having mercy on us. That would have been plenty. God could have provided his son to be sacrificed in our place, and we would have something to be eternally grateful for. But he didn't just stop there. He didn't stop there. The demonstration of his mercy was followed quickly by a demonstration of his grace. And so here we are on Resurrection Sunday, gathered to celebrate the scope of God's grace, declared for us in an empty tomb. According to the book of Luke, in his account of all that took place, this is how the resurrection of Jesus Christ was discovered. From Luke chapter 24. He writes, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? He said, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men to be crucified and on the third day be raised again. And then, then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and as he went away, he wondered to himself what had happened. So what had happened? Well, incredibly, Jesus came back to life from the dead. And there it is, just again, like Matt said in his monologue earlier, someone's going to say it. Jesus is not dead. Jesus was dead, but now he's not. He's alive. And the empty tomb is there to prove it. So what do we see in all this? We see grace. Our sin required death, just like we talked about Friday evening. And God, in his mercy, sent a sacrifice to take our place. Jesus died instead of us. We were forgiven of our sin because Jesus died in our place. How incredibly generous and loving. That's love to a depth that we can't even begin to understand. He did it because he loved us. And that in itself is generous enough. But like I said, God didn't stop there. He kept right on giving. He poured out his grace on us. And what is grace? Well, it's vague enough to, to make it have to be personal. Grace is defined as unmerited favor. But what does that favor look like? 
That's the personal part. So I want to answer the question that you saw answered in those video clips of people from this church. What is grace to me? How have I seen God's grace demonstrated in my own life? And how would I define it? Well, first of all, grace is a gift. Grace is a gift. Grace is a gift that I don't deserve. I didn't do anything to earn God's grace. I didn't do anything to impress God and thereby earn some reward. Grace is a gift that God has poured out freely on me. All I did to enter into it was put my faith in Jesus Christ. That was the doorway to the gift of grace that I am receiving daily. Christ reconciles us to God through his death and God then goes about being a loving father to me. But it is his choice to be gracious towards me. God doesn't owe me anything. He's not obligated in any way to do this for me. He does it because he loves me. And I receive it with gratefulness. The Apostle Paul writes so clearly of this gift in Romans 5. He talks about how sin entered the world through Adam and how death came to all of us because of that sin. But then he says, how much more will the grace that came through Christ overflow to all of us who receive this gift? God wants us to be eternally rich. That's how generous he is in giving this gift of grace. Paul also wrote this in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might be rich. What a gift this is. Grace is a gift. It is a gift that God decides out of his love to pour out on us generously. Well, how else would I describe grace? Grace is forgiveness. Grace is forgiveness. With great generosity, God poured out his grace on me in the form of forgiveness. Paul wrote this to the Ephesian church in Ephesians 1.7. He said, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. My sins have been forgiven. Even considering how serious my sins are when I consider the holiness of God, I can still say with great confidence and conviction that my sins have been forgiven. The price for committing them against God was paid. The debt that I would owe God no longer exists. I am forgiven. That forgiveness was declared by Jesus as he hung on the cross. But God's forgiveness also applies today and will apply every day of my life. And this is what I want us to see this morning. What happened on Easter that day so many years ago was incredible and did provide for the forgiveness of our sins. But that forgiveness provided so much more. Because of Christ's work on the cross, I am forgiven. You are forgiven. Our sins are paid for, but that forgiveness also bought us freedom. Freedom from what? Well, freedom from things that can weigh us down, some of the most oppressive things in life. And at the top of that list is guilt. When Jesus rose from that grave, he introduced a new way of living. It was life without guilt. Hebrews 10.22 declares that we can now draw near to God with assurance because our hearts have been cleansed of guilt. God's grace means that we don't have to live with a guilty conscience. In practice, this seems almost too good to be true. We still sin, we still disobey God. But now when we confess those mistakes and receive God's forgiveness, we can carry on in life without feeling guilt for those wrongs that we've committed. That is so liberating. That is grace. 
And we are now free from condemnation. In Romans 8, 1, Paul affirms that there is no longer any condemnation for those of us who live under Christ's rule. God is shaping and using us, not condemning us. The penalty has been paid and our sin has been forgiven. So as we confess it, we will not be condemned by it any longer. That freedom brings me great peace, and that peace is God's grace. Which leads to another thing that I think of when I consider God's grace. Grace is a gift. Grace is forgiveness. Grace is also second chances. Out of his grace, God forgives my sin and gives me a second chance, and a third chance, and a fourth chance, and a 500th chance. Gives me a clean slate and an opportunity to start over, to try again. He wipes the slate of my life clean and recreates me as a new person with another chance. The Easter season brings to mind a character from Jesus' story who was a powerful testimony to the grace of God. That character is Peter. Yes, the Peter who denied knowing Jesus three times when Jesus was being led to the cross. Peter knew Jesus better than most. He had spent three years as his disciple, but he turned his back on Jesus, even swearing at one point that he didn't even know him. But following his resurrection from the dead, Jesus sought Peter out. He found him. And he offered Peter a second chance. That's grace. But second chances are not just for historical figures like Peter. They're for you and for me too. And God has extended me grace by giving me chances throughout my life to start again. I look at periods in my life like my teen years and I am eternally thankful for the chance to start my life over again. That's grace to me. God doesn't hold my past against me. Tomorrow will be another new day for me, a chance to start fresh, a chance to demonstrate that transformation that Christ is carrying out in my life. Tomorrow I can be a new person with a renewed mind, a deeper connection with God, a clearer understanding of life and eternity, a new start. That's grace to me. But that's not all that grace is to me. Grace also means a new identity, a new identity. When I accepted God's gift of grace, I was given a new identity. I became a son, a son of God. God adopted me into his eternal family. In Galatians 4, Paul writes that when we restore our relationship with God, he gives us the full rights of sons, his sons. We become heirs with Jesus Christ. What he inherits, we inherit from the creator of the universe. It was the death and resurrection of Jesus that made this possible. His act of mercy and grace opened up a path for us to become children of God. No longer would I have to be an Israelite to be a part of God's family. We have all been welcomed by God to come to him through his son, Jesus Christ. What a thrill this reality has been. I'm not who I was without Christ. I am a child of the king I am a saint. I am part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set aside for God's purposes. I am loved. I am accepted. I am valued, cared for, protected, strengthened, comforted. I am a person of great significance now because I belong to God. That's grace. That's not all I think of when I think of grace. God's grace is so vast. Something else that comes with God's grace is a new purpose. 
Paul writes in 1 Timothy 1.12 that he had been appointed to Christ's service. That's us too. We now live in the service of the king. God has given me a clear purpose in life. I live to bring him glory, to make him look good. I live to represent him here on earth. I live to be a messenger, an ambassador of heaven. I live to be a light in this dark world. I live to make disciples, to guide other people into a life of following Christ. And I have been equipped with everything I need to carry out that new purpose. God gives me strength, wisdom, courage, and opportunity daily to be who he has appointed me to be. Imagine me, sinful me, given a purpose, an assignment by the creator of the universe. That's grace. I didn't deserve to be someone significant, but I am because of God's grace. But I'm not done. I am the recipient of God's grace. It is a gift to me. I have received forgiveness. I have been given a second chance. I have been assigned a new identity. I have been commissioned by Christ himself for a new purpose. That's all God's grace to me. And grace is also hope. Hope. Listen to what we read in Titus 3, verses 5 to 7. It says, God saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Grace applied to my past, it applies to my present, and grace applies to my future. I have hope through God's grace that there is an eternity and that living forever in heaven is the realization of that hope I get to live forever. I get to live with God in his presence, in perfection, forever. And none of that would have been possible without Jesus rising from the dead and conquering the power of death once and for all. We who follow Christ will be raised up with him and presented to God, spotless and finished, restored to reflect the image of God that was created in us. That's a reason to get up in the morning. That's a reason to approach life with confidence and courage. That's a reason to be strong under the pressure of this world. That's a reason to look ahead, not back, not around, but ahead to what awaits us in heaven. The hope that gave Jesus a reason to endure what he did for our sake is the same hope that we have to press on, to face each day with our head held high. We have hope in what waits for us on the other side of our short lives here. Grace is also victory, victory. At the end of time, Jesus, the Son of God who rose from the dead, is going to destroy evil forever. There will be a battle and Jesus will win. And we, we will not be destroyed. We will stand with Christ in victory. So Paul writes in Romans 8, a reminder that we will not only be victorious then, but we are victorious now. This is what he says. He says, in all these things, the things that we face every day, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
That victorious perspective is God's grace to us. Even death couldn't defeat Jesus Christ, and we stand in that victory with him. That's grace. There's one more word that I'd like to use to define what grace is to me. Um, I think I could go on for this like days, but for days, but, but let me mention just one more for now, and that word is life. Grace is life. Grace is life. Jesus is not dead, and neither am I. I should be dead in my sin, but Jesus set me free from that death. He gave me life. Jesus said that he came so that we could have life and not just any life, abundant, full life, because we are alive with him. While so much of the world around us is slowly dying, we are just beginning to truly live. David wrote that God had redeemed his life from the grave. Jesus said that he is life, and he said that it is his Father's desire that we find that life that Jesus offered and be raised with Jesus from the dead. I have received that life. Many of you have received that life as well. Um, you see two candles up here on the stage this morning. Those are there because this week on Wednesday, two more in our church family gave their lives to Christ and received that life. It was a kid in our, in our children's program and one of our middle schoolers, both of them just this week, came to the point of surrendering themselves to Jesus and receiving this life. That life that we've received, that's grace. That's grace. Isaiah said that the Lord longs to be gracious to us. All these things and so much more prove that. God is gracious. The cross proves his mercy. The empty tomb proves his grace. What a reason to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. Forgiveness, second chances, a new identity, a new purpose, hope, Victory, life, an empty tomb that turns our eyes ahead to life, eternal life, because death has been defeated for those who choose Christ. He is not dead. He is alive. What is grace? Grace is amazing. But maybe it doesn't even come close to describing your understanding or your perspective or your experience. So let me ask you something this morning. Where are you at in your life today? Where are you at in your life today? Are you ashamed of your past? Are you apathetic toward the life that you've been given? Are you scared of what God wants from you? Are you drowning in your poor choices? Are you alone in your journey? disappointed with your role in life? Oh, I know I was once with mine. Are you hiding from the truth? Are you shackled by your sin? By your pornography, by your adultery, by your apathy, by your broken relationships, by your arrogance, by your pride? Where are you at today? Dead, tempting over death by 
not sure where you're at today, but I know where Jesus was on that day. He was standing in your place and mine. He was surrendered to God's will. He was mocked before men. He was unwavering through torture. He was nailed to a tree. He was burdened with your sin, with your dishonesty, with your gluttony, with your lust, with your greed, with your selfishness and mine. I'm not sure where you're at today, but I do know what he was doing for you on that day. today but I know where you could be you could be a new creation you could be one with God again you could come awake with Christ today you could enter into the experience of that grace that I've been talking about today right now I want to give you an opportunity right now if this whole thing seems foreign to you maybe brand new to you maybe something that you've ignored and put off for a while I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the grace that God is offering you it comes to us in so many forms but it's so very real and is so very personal I'm going to ask you all to bow your heads and close your eyes right now. This whole thing that we've been talking about today, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, where he came up out of the grave, having defeated death, to offer us life forever. This is the most important thing in the world. This is what the whole plan was about. Jesus died so that we could be forgiven for all the ways in which we have separated ourselves from God. He died to forgive those things, to pay the price for those things so that we could have a taste of eternal life, so that we could be restored to God, so that we could have a chance for this new life, this, to experience this grace that I've been talking about every single day. Now, if you're here this morning and 
You know that God's speaking to your heart right now about this whole thing. And you have not taken that step yet of giving your life to Christ and saying, Jesus, I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Jesus, I want you to take control. I want you to lead me day by day. I want you to do this transforming work in me, recreating me, restoring me to the image that I was created in, the image of God. Then this is an opportunity this morning for you to start this journey, this journey with Jesus. So if God's speaking to your heart this morning and he's saying, give it to me, give me your life right now. Let me do it. Let me pour my grace out on you. And this is what I want you to do. Well, we're praying with all heads bowed and all eyes closed. I want you to just silently pray this prayer with me. Say, God, thank you. God, thank you for your mercy and your grace. I know that I have sinned. We've all sinned. And today I want to accept your forgiveness. So God, take my life. I will follow Jesus from this day forward. If you just prayed that prayer with me, if you just offered your life to God, knowing with confidence that he's going to take it and that he is going to restore your relationship with him, that he's going to make you whole, that he's going to give you this gift of grace in all its forms. As we all have our eyes closed and our heads bowed, if you prayed that prayer and you have asked God to do that for you and you've given your life to him this morning, will you just raise your hand right now so that I can pray for you? You just raise your hand. Praise you, Lord, for what you've done. Father God, I want to thank you for your work. I want to thank you for your work on the cross through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for that forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace, God. Thank you for all that you pour out on us day after day after day. For all these people right now who have made that decision, who have offered themselves to you for that restoration to take place, for their lives to start again, to have a new beginning. God, I thank you. I thank you that because of this decision that they've made, there is a celebration in heaven right now. Because this is what you want. Your desire is for every one of us to be completely, fully surrendered to you. And for those of us who have walked with you for years, Lord, don't let us miss today as an opportunity to be reminded of your grace. As an opportunity to respond and say, oh, I just want that. Every day, every day I want to know that it's a new start. And that God, your grace is all I need. Your grace is sufficient. Help us to stand on that truth today. Lord, we praise you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We praise you that death no longer has power over us. That we are alive 
Because Jesus Christ rose from the grave and he lives forever and we live with him. God, we praise you for being present here today through your spirit, for guiding us into your presence through celebration and song. We praise you that as we walk out of this place, we walk out reminded once again that we have a purpose, that we have an identity, that you have a plan for us here in this world, that it is to walk with your son, Jesus Christ. We go in celebration today. We praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.